All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon. This is Nadia Budihajo with your Thursday headlines. Rio Tinto has reported record first quarter iron ore shipments as it continues to benefit from strong commodity prices while China's iron ore imports are at record levels. Rio shipped 82.5 million tonnes of ore from its Pilbara operations in the March quarter, 16% higher than the corresponding period of 2022. It also reported strong production figures with output of 79.3 million tonnes in the quarter, up 11%. The big miner was helped by relatively benign weather conditions during the quarter. The higher production was achieved despite some operations being impacted by plant reliability and materials handling issues during the quarter. Iron ore prices increased 8% over the quarter, with the Platts benchmark price up 27% to $125 US per dry metric tonne. Rio noted that the Chinese economy continues to recover, with Chinese steelmakers ramping up their blast furnace capacity rates to more than 90%, a seasonal record. China's iron ore imports hit a record 309 million tonnes in the March quarter, effectively unchanged from the volume imported during the prior quarter and 9% more than the first quarter of 2022. Rio Chief Executive Jacob Storsham said the group continued to make steady progress during the quarter. In the Pilbara, the ramp-up of Rio's Gujadari iron ore mine continued, with the mine expected to reach its nameplate capacity on a sustained basis during 2023. In other news, Essential Metals shareholders have rejected a takeover bid by a joint venture between Tianqi Lithium and IGO, days after mineral resources became a substantial holder. The bidding vehicle is Tianqi Lithium Energy Australia, a joint venture owned 51% by China's Tianqi Lithium Corporation and 49% by ASX-listed IGO. In January, the joint venture announced it has entered into an agreement to acquire 100% of West Perth-based essential metals at $0.50 a share. The agreement represents an equity value of about $136 million. Mineral Resources bought up 19.55% of essential metals for $27 million on Friday, less than a week before shareholders were to vote on the scheme agreement. The Chris Ellison-led company acquired the shares under Lithium Resources Operations Propriety Limited and became a substantial holder on the target's register. At least 75% of votes cast in support was needed for the scheme arrangement to be approved at a scheme meeting this morning. However, Essential Metals announced on the ASX that only 54% of holders voted for the scheme arrangement. The announcement said the voting trend changed significantly after the Mineral Resources Group of Companies bought shares on market. Essential Chairman Craig McGowan said the board would engage with Tianqi Lithium Energy Australia to determine the next steps according to the scheme arrangement. In politics, 
The state government has launched a strategic review of Gold Corporation, which operates the Perth Mint with a sale of the business as an option. The Department of Treasury will engage a commercial advisor to consider options to manage the state's risk in relation to its ownership of Gold Corp. The options analysis will include the extent to which its ownership structure aligns with state government goals. Speaking to journalists this afternoon, Mines and Petroleum Minister Bill Johnston insisted the review was not specifically commissioned to investigate the possibility of privatising Gold Corp. He declined to speculate on what ownership models may be suggested once the analysis is complete, but conceded a sale of the organisation would likely be considered. The review would be keenly followed by the gold mining industry as the Perth Mint refines about 80% of gold produced in Australia. That proportion has declined from more than 90% about five years ago. The review will assess the impact of the Perth Mint on tourism as its East Perth operation is a significant tourist attraction. Gold Corp is a very large business with revenue last financial year of $21.7 billion and total assets of $7.1 billion. Coming up next on the podcast, Matt McKenzie speaks to Jordan Murray about his recent story on home builder Modco. Celebrate business leaders, entrepreneurs and trailblazers with business news events. With our flagship event series, bespoke online events, webinars, book launches and gala awards programs, our forums showcase the policies and issues affecting Western Australia within industry and government. Our events are your platforms to engage and connect with the Western Australian business community. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash events for more information. Welcome back to A Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray, today joined by Senior Journalist Matt McKenzie. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Excited to be here, Jordan. We're building towards an interesting conversation here today on A Close of Business, Matt, and it's to do with your article in the latest edition of Business News, upon which Ian Weisenberg of Bridge West Perth Farmer and Brett Alderson of Nova Sinner grace the cover. Matt, you wrote about a business called Modco. I want to know why you wrote about them, and particularly what it has to do with the topic of building delays. Well, there's been plenty of building delays, hasn't there, across the industry and Business News revealed, I think it was last week, that 21,500 homes in WA are unfinished. That's a record number. Uh, And as I recall, and of course, you know, time goes by, my recollection is that didn't include apartments and such either. So 21,500 homes unfinished across WA, a record number. And it goes to this point about building delays, because whereas previously it might have been 9 to 12 months to construct a home now it is taking a lot longer and as we've said before we get it skill shortages we get it there's materials challenges Um, it's not easy for the construction industry but I make this observation and I made this observation in the article that not all delays are created equal not all building delays are created equal and as a general observation When you look on social media with people who have had delays to their construction, you'll generally see that the ones who are most frustrated, regardless of the building company, are usually the ones who either keep being told things and it keeps getting extended more and more and more, or they don't get told anything at all. Whereas those people who are are given transparency about a delay early um, and an explanation, uh, and when the builder then sort of meets the the new expectations it sets, generally they they tend to perform 
or they tend to have more satisfied customers, just looking in general. Specifically talking about Modco, why did I say that not all building delays are created equal? Well, some, as I said, trades in materials, but for some Modco customers, the first setbacks started before the workers appeared on site, and that's because to build a house, you need to secure indemnity insurance before you can even obtain a building permit. Now, indemnity insurance is, or home indemnity insurance as it's called, it's designed to ensure that a customer can receive up to 200000 to finish a house if the builder dies or becomes sick or uh, the business goes under or the builder actually disappears. Um, what I've seen from having access to some communications from Modco has shown that the company has struggled to get sufficient insurance to cover its enormous contract pipeline. Now, how enormous? Well, we estimate, or rather people within the industry have estimated, that about 130 homes at peak capacity, at least 130 homes at peak capacity, were in Modco's order book. So in order to start and complete all of those bits of work, you need to be able to get insurance for all of them. Uh, 130 homes is quite a substantial pipeline of work, uh, we have spoken to people in the industry and come to the conclusion that a builder with a similar size to Modco might have access to indemnity insurance capped at about $5 million. Now, QBE, which is the home indemnity insurer, will pick a cap for a builder based on a number of factors, you know, their assets, their risk profile, their experience, and all the rest of it. And once you start to, once you have, uh, once you want to sign on more insurance contracts than your cap, basically you can't. And that's, of course, to help the um, insurance company you know, manage their risk and all the rest of it because, you know, if you're an insurance company, you want to be having a diversified portfolio. To give you an idea here, by the way, HIA Executive Director Michael McGowan made the point that the having a cap, and this again in broad terms, generally across the industry, had probably saved many consumers and businesses from further challenges by limiting the amount of builds that could be taken on at any one time. So just going back to Modco and these communications, um, some customers, we understand, have been waiting between six months to a year from the signing of their contracts to the approval of their insurance. So this year, we know that Modco has told customers it was waiting on a, quote, official conclusion, end quote, of its insurance status. We also know previously that Modco was waiting to receive its insurance quota before the company could submit plans to the local government for a build. And so insurance is one thing that you have to get in order to get a build going, uh, but if you can't get insurance or if you have delays in getting insurance, that will delay your, um, that'll delay your process of getting the build underway. Now, when we spoke to Damien Clancy from Modco previously, we asked about the business's insurance cap in 2020. He said he can confirm that they had adequate insurance coverage to take on signed contracts from 2020. However, quote, we did experience some challenges with QBE, our insurance provider, during this period. Their approval process added to the delays caused by other factors, other external factors, end quote. Uh, now, incidentally, QBE did not respond to many requests for comment on this piece, but you see the point there is that uh, we talk about the tradies and we talk about the material shortages, but before you get to any of that, you need to be able to get insurance, Jordan. Indeed you do, and that gets into Modco's relationship with Riviera, and you've got some uh, interesting information there about the relationship between Modco uh, and Riviera. Tell me about that. Well, the photo says it all here because we've got a photo of a house that's being constructed. Where is it? I'll leave it as a mystery. But I went there and took the photo myself. 
uh, and it shows in the sign on the window Modco and Riviera as the builders. So um, Modco has forwarded contracts to Riviera Homes, WAPTYLTD, which is led by John Italiano. Uh, we've obtained a contract which was novated from Modco to Riviera uh, and a second contract which was direct with Riviera. Uh, both customers who were aware of Riviera's involvement were still liaising with Modco regarding their builds as recently as this year, according to emails that we cite, that we saw or that we cited. Uh, it's worth saying, though, that any contracts, permits or insurance policies were issued in the name of Riviera. Now, Mr Italiano actually confirmed the arrangement. He said, quote, they've just obviously given us jobs through their overthrow, overflow, end quote, Mr Italiano said. Uh, he said, quote, We've just taken on their contracts. At the time, there wasn't a lot of work around, he said, end quote, uh, referencing that the arrangements were made a couple of years ago. He said that they were separate companies. And so uh, uh, what you can see there is that uh, Modco and Riviera, what you might say is they are working together or Riviera is working to help complete that big pipeline of uh, builds, Jordan, but you know people are still waiting for their homes to be finished. Indeed they are, and I think that gets into a broader issue, and one that you've looked at uh, substantively in recent months, and that's the issue of price rises. Now, how does that factor into what you've written? Well, we've spoken to one particular Modco customer who uh, has been quite delayed. She signed on in June 2021. Uh, nearly two years later, she's still waiting for the house uh, in Perth's eastern suburbs. She doesn't even know if she'll be living in the house by Christmas this year. And she said the experience is, has been ridiculous. And I make this observation. I spoke to another customer who's, who's waiting, who's living in their caravan. And I think it's just worth saying, this issue about building delays is not a joke. It's not just something we can laugh off and sort of say, oh, well, you know, it's not easy to be a builder. We've got a, you know, we've got a skill shortage and we don't have enough tradies and we don't have enough materials and it's a bit hard. I get that. And I get that it's not easy to be a builder. But this is serious stuff, right? Someone being forced to live in their caravan, people being forced to live, you know, in their, share houses with their families for who knows how long, people putting off major decisions in their lives for months and months and then years and years waiting for, the, for their home to be built. This is seriously impacting people's lives. And people in the building industry, I hope, are starting to realise that, yes, while it has been challenging to be a business, doing business in building, it's also not easy to be a customer. And the customers aren't being unreasonable because customers are putting their lives on hold. And in this particular example that we've... Uh, highlighted in the latest edition of the magazine, in, in addition to the frustration of you know, paying for a house that's under construction and paying for having to live somewhere in the interim, this particular customer uh, was issued a $57,000 price increase in December 2022. That was about a 20% rise in the cost of the build. Now, that was challenged in the Building Commission. Business News obtained a proposed contract remedy order uh, from the state government's building and energy regulator, which recommended the increase be disallowed. Quote, building and energy's view is that a price increase can only be passed on prior to the commencement of works. End quote. The proposed order will need to be signed off by the commissioner before, before becoming final. Uh, but it goes to show that, uh, well, I mean, the, the building and energy regulator said it themselves. A price increase can only be passed on prior to the commencement of works. So, I know there's quite a few people out there that have been issued price increases later in the piece, and it looks like, and we don't know what the final outcome will be on this, that it doesn't quite work that way, according to the regulators. 
To read more on this one, head online now to businessnews.com.au or pick up the latest edition of Business News. In the meantime, Matt, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Jordan. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.